So like knowing your why was so important because I spent a lot of days crying in the stalls of the bathrooms. Like they killed my secrets and my tears. That's what I tell everybody. And so when people are coming into tech, you know, I, I ask them like, what is the thing that's going to keep you going along the way? Because I think when they start, they have this vision of themselves, you know, making money and building all these wonderful applications or doing something, right? They're so focused on software engineering, not really understanding that even if you're entering into bootcamp, there potentially, you might not become a software engineer. Like there's so many different things in tech that you can do. This is the Job Stories Podcast, how people find work that matters. Um, if you don't mind, we'll just get it started uh, to go ahead and just introduce yourself. And what is it that you do now? What is your job now and who's it for? What, do you, what are you up to now? Okay. Yeah, um, I'm Dr. Teresa Vasquez, but most people call me Dr. T. Um, and uh, currently I am the director of engineering and technology at a uh, small company. Well, we're remote now. We're no longer <laughs> um, based out here in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a tremendous kind of like path. Um, I'm also a evening instructor, um, senior evening instructor at National Software School, where I teach um, front end uh, the software development to new minds, people who are wanting to change their careers and get into tech. Um, and it's always so exciting when we first start a cohort. It's also very stressful, but it's also really, really exciting to see them have so much energy um, and just so much, I guess, clarity about where they want to go. Um, and so uh, that's me. That's pretty much where I, where I am now. <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. We'll get into some of that too here in a second. But for you specifically, have you been in tech the whole time? Kind of what's, how did your career path trajectory get you away on that? So I have been in uh, technology or the IT industry for um, over half my life now, I would say, um, probably about half of my life. So my career actually started out, um, I was a stay-at-home mom with my kids and my son, excuse me, my son. My husband is a school teacher here at in Metro National Public Schools. He's been actually teaching for, I think, going on 30 years now. I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah. And um, we needed an additional income. And so um, my son actually was diagnosed with autism when he was five. And that's actually what got me into IT because my husband's a math and science teacher. And so he brought home a computer. I started building some things uh, for my son. He was kind of doing some leapster back in the day. You know, we still had dial up back then. So what I was mm -hmm. building wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. anything remarkable or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but that actually got me interested in technology. My dad had, you know, piqued my interest into kind of like STEM really early on because he's a mechanical engineer. And so he had me doing things like Ohm's Law and electricity and under the hood of the car and stuff like that. So I knew I had some kind of like, I don't know, skill set that yeah. led to that, but it was never something that was brought up to me growing up that like this is a potential thing. Um, and so when my husband came home with that with that computer, I was like, man, this is great. If I could find a job doing this, it would be awesome. Mm. Um, but I didn't initially. I actually uh, went to work at a local uh, HBCU and I was in human resources. Mm. And uh, that is not for everybody. It definitely was not for me. <laughs> but um, I learned a lot. Right. I learned a lot about just software programming. Um, I got really good at Excel and things of that nature. And um, when I was 21, uh, the IT, the VP of IT at the HBCU saw me and said, I think you'd really be good in, in uh, technology. So he brought me over as uh, his assistant and I became a trainer, um, teaching people how to use software 
uh, programs and things of that nature. And from there, uh, yeah, it just, it blossomed. He actually told me I was too smart for what I was doing. So I should go back to school. And uh, so I went back to school as an adult. So, you know, a lot of the things that my students are facing, I, I know what they're mm. dealing with. I had two little babies and I was pregnant, mm. um, trying to go back to school, you know, get my associate's degree, got my associate's degree and the education bug just bit me. Mm. Um, funny enough, my degrees are not in technology. They're actually in uh, English was what my, my undergraduate, my associate's degree was. And I went on to MTSU. Um, and then went on to uh, Treveca to get my MBA and my doctorate. All that to say that, no, I did not start out in tech. Um, and then when I did get into tech, it was kind of more of the soft skills, not necessarily the hard skills. But when I graduated from MTSU, the same VP was there. And he said, hey, if you want a job, I'm looking for a web developer. Mm. And I was like, you mean like on the Internet? <laughs> and uh, and so I joined there. And that's really where my software engineering career started. That's awesome. She's the perfect guest for why we started this podcast, Matthew. I love her story. <laughs> yeah, so it needs, I, I'm interested in this too because you talked about some of the students you help at the Nashville Software School. You mm -hmm. mentioned briefly that maybe some of those are just now getting into tech. Maybe some of those students are. Yeah, what are some of the advice you give to people changing careers? A lot of folks maybe kind of later in life too sometimes. I mean, what's... Yeah. yeah, and I think what brings them there, everyone has a different why. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Sometimes that why is they're chasing money. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, as we, I guess, talk further on, money isn't always mm -hmm. the thing yep. uh, that can keep you here because there are some things, you know, especially for those who are underrepresented in tech, mm -hmm. some things that will face challenges that we'll face along the way that our why has to be something that mm -hmm. is like the core of who we are. Yes. And so I ask them to focus on that thing because boot camp is hard. Like it's the hardest schooling you'll ever have. I actually went to NSS. Um, in the day cohort, like I, the, the HBCU that I worked at actually got laid off um, from that position and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had just completed a research study, you know, for my son, uh, well, based on my son called the Ramel project. My son's name is Ramel, mm. um, where I did some research on autism and uh, applications and things of that nature. And so I was like, you know what? I think I want to get better at this. I want to get deeper. And honey, let me tell you, I had been in school for up to 15 years to that point. And when I got to NSS, that was not like any schooling I had ever had before uh, in my life. Yeah. So like knowing your why was so important because I spent a lot of days crying in the stalls of the bathrooms. Like mm -hmm. they killed my secrets and my tears. That's what I tell everybody. And so when people are coming into tech, you know, I, I ask them like, what is the thing that's going to keep you going along the way? Because mm -hmm. I think when they start, they have this vision of themselves, you know, making money and building all these wonderful applications or doing something, right? They're so focused on software engineering, not really understanding that even if you're entering into bootcamp, there potentially you might not become a software engineer. Like there's so many different things in tech that you can do. Mm. And so if that why you know, can get us through it, then that why can also determine how we can help you to find what your fit is um, that can keep you in tech longer. But yeah, it's 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 very interesting to watch them come in. Um, not everybody makes it, you know, not everybody makes it because it's not what they expected. Um, but it definitely in the long haul, it ends up being worth it, right? Like the just the process and the steps, but I always tell them y'all getting into tech is probably one of the best things you'll ever do, but it's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do as well. So, yeah, I'm loving it. The, the why we talk about that too. Um, you know, why we do what we do. Cause in your early twenties, I mean, you mentioned to it as well. It's like, so, cause I want to make more money. Like that's it, mm -hmm. but it changes over time. So have you yeah. found that true for you as well? Like, like oh yeah, your, your absolutely. Why, yeah. So 
you know, back then software engineers weren't a commodity. Like, well, actually, I wouldn't say anything at that point because I was the whole I the whole web team, right? I did the servers, I did the, you know, the infrastructure, I did all of those things before we started to split out into all these different branches. And honestly, I was just looking for something compelling that was flexible enough to allow me to be home with my kids as well, whenever they needed me, because my son, like I said, is autistic. And so I had to, you know, have something that was flexible for me. So that's really what brought me into tech really early on. Um, But as my career moved, moved on, you know, it started to be, I'm really good at this. Like, I'm really good at this. And not only that, like, when I'm in these spaces, I'm the only one who looks like me. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, is it because we don't have the acumen or this this idea that, uh, you know, there's not a pipeline of people who can get into this? Uh, when we know historically, you know, women, especially Black women, you know, uh, were computers back in the day, you know? Mm-hmm. So obviously we have the skill set and the ability to do the things but why are, why are the rooms that I'm in not representative of, of, of who I am as an individual? Mm. And so it started to change, especially as um, my kids started to get older and started to show interest. Um, my daughters did especially. And so that why change from oh money and flexibility to like, I'm representing a lot of people in this room. And while, you know, who aren't in this room, who need to be in this room. And while it is hard and it's challenging, like it's worth the effort in the long term. And so now as I'm nearing kind of like, I guess the pinnacle of my career, I'm starting to see that stuff start to pay off a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of work that we need to do. And so that's why I remain in tech. Now. Yeah. So it sounds like more like a, a like a role model, like mentorship type type. Um, why is that? Am I hearing you correctly? It seems like that's where you're like legacy for you, right? Like that's kind of where you're headed. Yeah. And it's proof that it can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be done. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to, it's going to be done without sacrifice mm-hmm. um, because I, I work a lot, you know, mm-hmm. I have to put up with a lot of bullshit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I feel like the end game or the result of that um, ends up being the why for yeah. me. Right. Yeah. Um, because someone paved the way for me. Yeah. And so I feel like it's, it's important that I lift as I climb as well. Um, as I continue to move forward, if I have the opportunity to step into a position, you know, usually I'll look at it juxtaposed to everything else that's important to me and then try to figure out, okay, how can I make this work? Uh, Still be vulnerable, still be 100% authentic and represent the people who I would like to see in this seat later on, but then also being making, making sure that people understand that like, Black people are not a monolith, <laughs> you know, mm. especially black women. We're not a monolith. Mm. And um, and showing that we do have character, we do have brilliance, we do bring things to the table um, that just kind of have been overlooked over many years of the, you know, just in the industry and still are to this current day. Yeah, that's great. Our recruiters, they talk to every candidate that's interested for a job. I mean, we 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 talk to anybody and um I, th- I think an interesting thing has happened over the past couple of years. We've started to notice a trend of candidates with disabilities, mm-hmm. either autism or whatever. And so have you seen over your career, have you seen that um, IT has become more of a wider umbrella than what it was? And and why is that? And yeah. do is is the future for people that have disabilities or um, other, um, I don't know, misconceptions about who they are, do you think that would 
that that's going to come open and produce a more um, inclusive environment? Yeah. Ooh, that is a very hard question because, you know, that's the hope, right? That's, yeah. that's the ideal situation that we like to find ourselves in. The reality of that today, though, does not like coincide with that desire, right? So like, yes, there are a lot of companies who say, you know, we're diverse and we're inclusive, um, but you look at their tech teams and that's absolutely not the case. And I think part of that stems from just the systemic way that the, I, the industry has has just kind of performed, right? It's looking for a, spe a specific type of, of mind, a specific type of uh, ability to uh, fit culturally, to do all these different things. Now, I will say that once we start to get people in positions of power, which is why I sit in the seat that I'm in, not necessarily because I want to, but because I know it's necessary in order for change to happen, um, we will start to see a little bit more of that openness happen. Um, because, you know, people who have, uh, are neurodivergent or, you know, have different ways that their brains work, or even just have just disabilities that like aren't commonly seen or invisible disabilities, usually, mm -hmm. you know, in the interview process, are kind of turned away because they don't, you know, oh, they were awkward or, oh, they came off as this or that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what we need to stop doing is looking at somebody and how they approach certain things. Like, like yes, we need people who aren't assholes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I work with those type of people every day. So I don't know why, you know, <laughs> why we're, you know, yeah, right. just saying that this individual person has to be a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really where breaking the doors open for tech is going to be important because if we don't allow Allow those different types of diversity, not just gender or um, or you know things like that, like even neuro neurological diversity mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Then we start to open up this creator thing that uh, brings in more ability, more innovation inside of tech. Um, and I say that because it touches me as well. I'm neurodivergent. I'm I'm actually dyslexic, mm -hmm. and so as I'm thinking about things and I look at things differently, I bring a different set of eyes to things. And so what I'm trying to do is just try to ensure that people who look inside of tech like when you when you're when you're looking through the window and you don't see anybody who who not only looks like you but who thinks differently mm -hmm. then it makes you feel like you don't belong there right mm -hmm. and so it's less about bringing people in and more about making sure that we um represent what we're trying to ultimately become and, you know, and that's just, it's just hard right now. So yes, to your question, I do think ultimately given the ability and, or excuse me, the opportunity to be able to see more diverse minds like that in, um, and just a little bit more flexibility with people who are, you know, who have differences, I think that uh, that can only make us better, you know, better as a team, better as, as an industry. And I think it would literally change the world and how we think about, you know, who can be a creator and who can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a stroke, uh, junior year of college. And so like, I think I look at problems very differently from, uh, Mason. Mm -hmm. And so, but that's gotta be accepted. And I don't, I don't know if it's always been accepted in it. It may have, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I hope for a better future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we're hoping for, but some of us are out here trying to do the work too, you know, yeah. and it's hard yeah. work. Like yeah. it, it's, it's hard. It's, it's exhausting. Mm. And some days you wake up and you're like, I just don't want to do this today. Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't want to do this today. And then, you know, you get a message or for someone who says, Hey, you know, a video you made really inspired me. You're like, Oh man, you're trying to get me. 
Yeah. You try to, you know, pull me back in, but like, that's really what we're doing it for. And we really need to, um, to start to amplify the voices of people who are out here with those differences and showing that like, it's necessary. Um, and it's mm. urgent, like mm. it's urgent. It's not something that we can continue to just think about. It's something that we actually have to take action on. Yeah. It goes back to the why you were talking about earlier on the days that you don't feel like doing anything, or maybe it's more than days, maybe it's weeks or months. It's <laughs> like, it goes back to that. Why? I, that's mm -hmm. a beautiful sentiment you've already touched on. That's phenomenal. So when, when did your, so you've got a doctorate. When did that, when was that complete? Um, so I, I completed the doctorate in 2013. Oh my gosh. And then that, that was a long time ago. And <laughs> it then, feels like a long time's time. flying. Yeah. And then you went to Nashville software school and how many tracks did you complete of that? I'm just trying to dig into your schooling. Like yeah, it's been, me, yeah. you've, you yeah, obviously are a constant learner, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I went back to back um, because I was encouraged by people um, to continue to to dig and to excel. Um, and because honestly, my background, I come from a very underprivileged background. I could not afford to go to college right out of high school. And so, you know, I ended up going, like I said, back to college. I think I was 24 years old. And at that point I had uh, three kids, I believe, <laughs> three or four, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Um, and I went back, like I said, I was big pregnant, actually was taking an exam while I was giving birth to the third one. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And almost went into labor. Well, actually did go into labor with the fourth one while I was in my MBA. So oh I went gosh. back to back to back. So yeah. it was uh, associate's degree straight to a uh, four year, which was at MTSU straight into Trevecca for my MBA straight into uh, my doctorate, which was about 15 years of schooling. Um, and so I had like really, but I was lost because I felt like that's what was expected of me. Mm. Right. It was it, at that point, thinking about being successful in technology, I felt like I had to have degrees in order to do that. And at that point in time, that was very much true for me um, or anyone who looked like me. Like in order for us to get a seat at the table, we had to have some level of degrees. Now, my degrees were not in computer science, although uh, I at uh, MTSU, you know, I did some, uh, I forget what they call multimedia, I think is what they called it back then, um, which kind of helped me when I uh, went in as a web developer uh, at the you know local HBCU that I was at, and when they laid me off, yeah, it was like okay for me it was just the natural next step to go back to school. <laughs> you know, um, it was a program was being offered that would cover the you know the cost or uh, at least let me get started. And I actually tried an online version of it that was not great, so I was like okay, let me find a boot camp. And I thought I was going to San Francisco for nine weeks, mm. but a uh, Google search led me to Nashville Software School. I was like, what is this? let me check this out um fell in love instantly but like i said it was hard but all of that schooling and i think this is what you're alluding to has really is really what has made me successful in the industry because it's constant learning but it's not just the learning um because learning is kind of i don't know it can be enjoyable right when you learn something new if you learn how to play the guitar or the piano right? You're, you're doing it on your own time, but it's something that you find joy out of what people don't find joy out of and learning is the failing. Mm. Right. And that's really what NSS taught me was like, failing is fun and it's necessary, right? It's necessary. And so that's really what got me to the point of saying, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to apply for the positions that I know that I should have, but no one has ever opened the door for me and just see what happens. 
Um, and, uh, and there was a lot of failure there, but I think that what that did was intensified my desire because it also solidified the point that I knew to be true for myself was, is I don't see anyone who looks like me there. Mm-hmm. So how can I change, you know, how can I change that perspective? What do I need to do? And therefore a little while it was trying to be somebody else, you know, trying to fit in somebody else's shoes, masking things and things of that nature. Um, and then in 20, I think it was 2018, I was like, forget that. That's too much work. It's taking too much time. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm just going to hundred percent be myself. Mm. Um, cause my kids were looking at me at that point and they were old enough to start making decisions, you know, in their lives. And I was like, I don't want them to have phony lives. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I, I just changed it. And that actually, that one decision changed the trajectory of, of my, both my personal and my, uh, professional careers. Um, but education taught me that, right? Being in a, a place of of thinkers where people who are, you know, say I don't know, um, but still try to find the answers, even if the answers end up being wrong, you know, I think is is really encouraging. So, yeah, I love education. I'm probably I'm thinking about seeing. I know I'm teaching right now, but you know, I'm thinking about taking a class or two. I haven't been in uh, school in a minute, you know, as a learner, and so I'm like, I'm missing it. You know, it's been a while. So. Have you found that? Um... So you went to school yourself. Your husband is an educator. Have you found that talking to those two groups of people have made you better in tech? Like, I'm, I, think, I think a lot of times in my own career, like, yes, I could learn Python. And, of course, that would help me code up this website. But it might be interesting to go talk to um, a cop and find out his perspective, or it might be cool to go talk to, I don't know, a banker and find out his perspective. Have you, have you, have you learned anything that really doesn't relate to tech necessarily, but Mm -hmm. is a transferable skill that um, maybe you can apply in your work as a tech boss. And I noticed you said his, but it could be her as well. So let me go on and put that in there, their perspective. Um, But yeah, I think uh, part of my career early on was really doing user research, um, understanding Mm -hmm. the users. And so anything that takes you away, because this is what I tell my students, because a lot of them come into NSS thinking, I'm just going to be coding, right? I'm just going to learn how to take what's in my head and hit this keyboard and build apps and I'm going to be rich and my life is going to be great. Mm. That ain't how it works. <laughs> that is not how it works. Not in the real world or the world that I've been in, sure. you know, for uh, over a couple of decades. How it works though is, is that like we have to understand other people, right? So other, you're right. Other people are part of the situation and it's not just people who are in tech, right? It's consumers as well. So like mm. you have to, in order for tech to be successful, we have to have both creators and consumers and you can't be a great creator if you don't understand the consumer mindset or even what their needs are, because how are we going to solve their problems if we don't know what they are? Um, so sorry about that. That was my alarm <laughs> went off reminded me. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so talking to people who are different than you are really, really important. And I also find that when you talk, speak with people who are different than you outside of tech, even um, <clears throat> it encourages you to think about problems in different ways. Um, And so, like I was saying with my students, you know, I'm like, y'all, like 80% is planning. If you do that right, which includes 
you know, talking with users, seeing what their um, problems are, trying to figure out, you know, how we can make a solution that meets uh, the needs of not just one specific, you might have a couple of users that we're trying to meet the needs of. And then looking at what you know, because we can say, oh yeah, we can build this or whatever, but you might not have the technical skills yourself or even on your team to figure out what those things are. So you have to step back and look at, okay, what are we good at? And then based on what we're good at, what is the solution that we can that we can build together, not just as the tech part, but also the, the user part in order to get us over the line. Um, I actually do a lot of hackathons. And th that's the reason why I do hackathons is because when you do a hackathon, and I win a lot of hackathons too, that's let me great. go and drop that that's in there. Um, I think I've only maybe not won one. <laughs> and that was a, a few, you know, several years ago. Um, but that's one of the things that I bring to the team is, is that, you know, when people start in the hackathon, something really quick, it's high stress, right? Which is why I like it because you get to see people in their real, like mm. the core of who they are, especially when it's like 11 o'clock at night and there's no more coffee. Mm. Um, it's this idea of being able to finish um, and winning is never on my mind, right? But it's being able to step back as a leader and say, okay, this person has this ability. This person has this ability. How do we put this together so that we can create something that's beautiful or magical for our users? Um, and uh, yeah, so that that really brings together the idea that like, it's not just about us. It's not just about what we want as the creators, but also, you know, leveraging the knowledge and the the, the information that we gain from people talking to other people. I think it's, it's, it's probably one of the most important parts of the process i didn't know we were talking to a nashville tennessee hall of fame hackathoner yeah oh yeah that's yeah yeah awesome. that's what i say hon and go look at my linkedin baby <laughs> that's, good. that's awesome the last that's one that i won um with the team was uh, actually a global hackathon with uh girls in, in tech mm, and so awesome. we built a solution um for uh black women who are dealing with workplace uh trauma mm. and so that that was one that was really near to our heart we were all black female software engineering mm. team which is unheard of mm. Um, and we, we did it, you know, you we did it. it. We got us some little prize money and Heck all yeah. that stuff. So that's, it was, it awesome. was fun. Well, Dr. T, I, this needs to be installment one of many more, but I, I know <laughs> we're going to run up on time here in a second. Is there anything else real quickly, Matthew, you thinking of off the top of your head? Otherwise I'd like for you to go ahead and do a little shout out for if there's anybody that can get in touch with you, how can they do that? Anything to be looking out with you uh, personally or professionally, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, I guess, Twitter sometimes, uh, <laughs> Instagram and honey, I'm trying to do TikTok. I don't know about that one. You know, I'm jury's still out on that, but, but on all of those, um, my handle is Dr. Teresa Vasquez. So you can find me on any of those. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to connect and happy to support, you know, anyone who is considering getting into tech, because that's really my, my main focus is, is I want the doors to be open wide so that we can not only get people interested in uh, high tech positions like software engineering, but we need people in product, we need people in QA, we need people um, in data, you know, we need people scrumming teams, you know, we need people doing all sorts of things in tech, even the human resource side, right? So being in tech means you're at a tech company, you know, mm -hmm. so like we need people in all those areas. And so the quicker that we can get, you know, more diversity in those places, I think we'll start to see the change that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So hit me up on any of those things and I'd love to chit chat and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's awesome. You're, yeah, no, your story is great. Very inspiring. I appreciate you sharing. This has been really, really cool. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day and we will be in touch soon because I would okay. like to continue. Thank y'all so yeah, much. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. T. You have a great day. All right, awesome. Too. We'll see, see you. Bye.